Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussion of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Guess what time it is? It's time for crime! In this episode, we'll be speaking about the case of Loretta Greer. A mother in 1994 committed a crime so horrible and wicked, innocent children paid the ultimate price. So in this episode, we want to find out if you can name that tune, how do you dispose of your pad, and how to cook up a confession with your skillet. Well, hey, welcome back. I bet you guys missed us. (laughs) I'm excited to be back. As you guys know, I'm Vanny. And I'm Kat. And today we have a new case that we're going to discuss, and we've both had interaction with this person. Yeah, but before we get into it, how was your week? It was pretty good. It was uh, Easter weekend bunch of moving around still and a bunch of boxes. We found storage finally. Oh, that's you right. Know, you're moving. Yeah. It's funny because it makes me think about that other case about storage and, you know, freezers. Storage, freezer, <laughs> storage lockers. Storage lockers. Yeah. <laughs> and at the parallels of everyday life. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Peter went to go look at the storage room and he said, there was a bunch of hair all over the place. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, was there like a crime scene there? Like, should you be calling the cops and not the manager? <laughs> he didn't like that comment, but it's okay. <laughs> I know. I find it odd that most people would go, wow, there's a bunch of hair in the storage room. This is a really dirty place. I bet they don't clean it. And then you and I are like, hair, hair? storage room, yep. crime scene, <laughs> DNA. <laughs> You're like pulling out the gloves from the back of the car, like, yeah, let's take photos. Let's do this. Well, this week we have a little bit of an unusual case. This one we're going to be uh, profiling Loretta Greer. And Loretta had uh, two children, Henry and Odessa. And I will warn, uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about some child abuse. So please exercise some caution. And she went on to uh, murder both of her children. Yes. And if any of you are Netflix true crime followers, uh, the trials of uh, Gabe Fernandez is definitely pretty close to this case, I would have to say. So definitely a warning about child abuse. And some sensitive material. Yes. Although we don't have pictures and we don't plan on getting into it that hot and heavy, but it's it's, it's still It's child still abuse. gruesome and not okay. Exactly. So it just, it's very interesting that how I find it that domestic violence could lead to something to abusing your kids or, you know, taking things out on your kids. I see a lot of women, I would say that get into abusive relationships where the guy will be like, well, that's not my kid, which is the case here and be like, oh, uh, I don't really care about the kid. I want to spend more time be having like a single lifestyle and they end up starting to abuse the children. And CPS seems to fail us a lot. Oh, yeah. CPS is constantly like showing up where they don't need to be because a neighbor is mad at another neighbor and calls CPS. Yet you have this case where CPS was called three times in uh, 1989, and then once again in 1990 for bad parenting, and nothing happens. Mm-mm. 
nothing happens. And it, I seen that it always goes back to what CPS does. Well, where they're the, they're best at their parents with their parents, whether they're getting abused or not. It's like, no, those are the people that you need to take the kids away from, but they don't do anything for it. They, they're like quick to turn around and be like, yeah, we'd rather not put them in a foster care where it's safer. Yeah. Cause being abused them, at home is better. Yes. And give them back to mom or dad. Yeah. I never really understood that. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't get the system. I do remember one time working in uh, actually like with disabled children at the hospital that this mom got the CPS called on her because her child's wheelchair was dirty. Yeah, we'll respond to that and, and give the woman grief, but you have actual reports reported. And they don't do anything. Bruises. Yeah, nothing. No action. No action. Yeah. So let's just kind of jump a little bit into the case and, you know, kind of give a little background about Loretta. I know that, you know, she tried to say that she was uh, mentally delayed. I'm going to say the word delayed. Yeah. But she, several times she wasn't pretty accurate on that. Yeah. Well, this case, I think it would jump back to 1994. She was living with a boyfriend, Brent Lanier, and Brent Lanier was mentally challenged Yes. Uh, he was tested and uh, definitely uh, shown some, I think it was moderate retardation, but he was living with Loretta and they were living uh, around 36th Avenue in Osborne. And Loretta had uh, two children, Henry, who was five, and Odessa, who was four. And she had been abusing them for quite some time, beating them with an aluminum tennis racket, all kinds of things. So at some point, Mr. Lanier had mentioned to Loretta that uh, he thought that Loretta was spending too much time with the kids, with the kids. probably because jealous. she was busy abusing. And he was feeling a little jealous because the kids weren't his. And so Loretta thought, well, hmm, children, boyfriend, tough decisions. So apparently she did not want to lose Brent. So she went ahead and killed both of her children uh, three weeks apart. So Henry was the first uh, to be killed. Uh, she beat him with a tennis racket and then uh, he drowned in the tub. Yeah, it, and was, it was pretty sad to to know the what these kids had to endure. I just find it really interesting that you know, these kids were probably crying and neighbors didn't hear anything. You had to be some crying and screaming. I would imagine if I'm getting beat with a tennis racket, I don't think I'm going to be quiet about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so they kill little Henry. And so they put him in a blue trash can and they take a uh, black tire iron and they go out behind the apartment complex and they find a manhole. And so they put little Henry in a plastic bag and they pry open the manhole and they put him in the manhole cover and come back. And then three weeks later, uh, it was little Odessa's turn and beat the snot out of her with an iron rod. And after hours of being beaten, she was gagged and she was thrown in a closet for hours, 16, 18 hours. And then they came and, you know, she was just bloody and yuck and they decide well okay now she's dead so we need to do something so they use the same plastic trash can put her in a bag and henry actually um took her arms and legs and bound them so that she would fit easier in the can and in the trash bag and they rolled her back out and put her in the same manhole as they did little henry mm -hmm. and just left him and went about life 
Yeah, I think what's interesting is that Loretta, you know, kept adding more things to her story. You know, she mentioned about that he peed on himself. I mean, little Henry, he peed on himself again after again, and she found him soaked in urine um, during his timeout because uh, she got mad at him. And then he was uh, kind of drowned in the bath whenever she decided she was going to bathe him. But really, the abuse that went on about like, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure I remember my, you know, sister Kathy, I'm going to say a little confession, you know, my brothers, when they were kids, you know, they wet themselves or they would wet the mattress when they slept, you know, cause they were lazy. They didn't want <laughs> you know, kids don't want to get up. Right. But that's what they are. They're kids, you know, but I never remember. I remember having to have to clean that nasty mattress. That was not a fun job. <laughs> yeah, nobody died over it. No. I mean, I could have wanted to, like, you know, get mad at my brothers, but not to that extreme. Yeah. And then uh, somewhere she was having sort of an on-again, off-again relationship with, with Mr. Lanier. And at one point, she was prostituting and using the name Tiffany. And she uh, met up with the maintenance man, uh, Buzz Faulkner. And uh, he claimed that uh, she was using the name Tiffany and that she told him that she needed $10 for baby formula and she would do anything to get it. So he went ahead with her to the store, bought the formula. They wound up going up to his apartment and had sex. And then she left Henry with him and took Odessa to go get more money and beer. Hours later, Buzz was beginning to panic because he didn't want to be accused of kidnapping. And uh, so he went ahead and called the police. And then Loretta shows back up like, oh, why'd you call the police? What's going on? I told you I'd be right back. And he was like, that was hours ago. <laughs> She's like, but I'm here. So like, what's the problem? Crazy. It's like those memes that you hear like guys say, oh, uh, my dad went out to go get cigarettes and never came back 25 years, years later. later. <laughs> Kind of, kind, kind of. of. That's, I think, what he was worried about. <laughs> and this this case may never have even opened up. We may never have even heard about it if it wasn't for the fact that sometime after both Henry and Odessa were killed, that Brent and Loretta had an argument. And she called him stupid. And he did not appreciate that, said, you shouldn't have called me that. And she told him to shut up. He was stupid. And she hit him in the head with a skillet. Uh, and this was uh, September 20th, 1994. So he said, all right, Loretta. He turned around. He walked out of the apartment and he walked down the street, went to the nearest police substation and proceeded to uh, tell them what happened. He was probably like, I have an interesting story for, for you. you. Yes, no doubt. So incriminate yourself too. Yeah. So he directed police to the sewer behind uh, the apartment complex at 36th Avenue in Osborne, and they lifted up the manhole covers. There in the bags were both the bodies of little Henry and little Odessa. Yeah. So, And Lanier reported that they were both killed by their mother three months before. Uh, and sadly, Henry had seven fractures to his head's head, arm, shoulders, and ribs. Uh, little Odessa, who was beaten with the rod, had 19 fractures. Just 10, 10 to the head alone, three to the arms, and six broken ribs. So sad. I, I just can't imagine, you know, anybody doing that. I mean, just think about people that are pet lovers, that they didn't, like, even think about hurting such an innocent 
animal. Can you imagine an innocent child that's your own that you would hurt so bad? Oh, exactly. But Loretta was just all about Loretta. And so after Brent uh, went down and told the story and that police department, they actually tested Brent and then he was found to have a diminished mental capacity. Psychiatrists and stuff had uh, spoken with the police and uh, let him know or let them know that, you know, he was manipulated by Greer and he would not have acted on his own. Yeah, he did whatever he was told. Is right. kind of what doctors reported that, you right. know, Brent was... So, yeah, they, and they took that into consideration and he did get eight years for manslaughter and they went ahead and gave him that because he did not do anything to prevent the beatings and then he did participate in the disposal of the bodies. But he did his time and he was released back in 2003. Yes. Which, you know, I don't know if you found anything about his, like, what happened after 2003, but I didn't really go into into depth about him. But I know with uh, Loretta, it was interesting that, you know, she was faking mental illness. She fired two court-appointed attorneys when she was doing her, her court trial. So, but she even... Yeah, she knew where she was headed and she was not, you know, wanting to go that way. So what better way to you know, stall things or, you know, hope for the state hospital versus uh, state prison. So little confession time. I actually knew Loretta back at county before <laughs> she was sentenced. Just she had only been arrested at that point. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Tasmanian devil comes to mind. This woman was off the hook. Yeah. She just spent 24 hours a day trying to convince the entire world that she was crazy insane. What was like the craziest thing she did? Did she ever like throw feces and... Oh God, worse than that. Oh gosh. So she would strip naked, you know, nice. grab a handful of poop and like smear it on the wall. The people, oh my God, she's crazy. And like, I have worked with mentally ill. People who are mentally ill, they know poop Better. is poop. Okay. <laughs> they don't eat it and they don't play in it. They know it's poop. They may hear voices telling them they're going to be, you know, the next leader of the free world, but they know what poop is. So she was constantly doing that. God, I remember she would just sit in her cell and she would rock and she just would always sing this creepy, creepy song. And she'd just be in there. She'd go, we're like, oh my God. It's like a pretty cougar song. Yeah. And then like the inmates were all, she's crazy. But the funny part was when it came time for her hour out, She'd be up and down the cells talking with all the girls. Everything's normal. normal. They're having this normal talk. And of course, the facility, <laughs> old tent city, they're recording all of this. Mm -hmm. So one minute she's all, oh, I'm crazy. Let me throw poop on the window. And then the next minute she's completely sane because she's having normal conversations. She's, all, she's like, I think I need a manicure now because I think yeah, I have some poop under my nails. Oh, God. They would have to literally <laughs> take her out and multiple officers and like hose her out and hose oh, out her cell. It was just ridiculous. That, that's just nasty. I mean, even even simple things like giving her her annual TB skin test, it would literally take 12 officers to hold her down just so we could, you know, give her the Do TB that. skin test that takes just seconds to administer and that, you know, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, and then good luck reading it three days later because she just wouldn't let you anywhere near her. She was just nuts. And the the weird part was it took five years to get her to trial. Yeah. It's a long time. Oh, my God. She just, she fired two court-appointed attorneys. It's like maybe she liked that singing that song to you. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, it was like, what? 
two, Freddy's coming Oh, my God. Three, four, better lock (laughs) the door. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy that we know that, right? I know. Not really. I know. It's us. It's us. To know us is to love us. That's that's who we are, But she had more than 30 postponements and hearings involving her mental competency. There were changes in judges, defense attorneys. She had extremely disruptive behavior. And in fact, one of the officers had told me she was there for a hearing. I don't even know what they were having a hearing about, but it just happened to be... Sorry, folks, that time of the month, and she jumped up on the defense table, pulls her panties down, grabs the pad, and throws it at the judge, to which the judge screams. It was a female judge. She screams, she's crazy. Get her out of here. That's what she wants you to think. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So finally, after five years and all of this hoopla and going on, they finally were able to set a trial date, and they put like an electric belt on her, like a shot collar for a barking dog. Oh my gosh. And she was able to sit still and they were actually able to uh, have a trial. And she was convicted uh, December 1999, two counts of first degree murder, and she got two consecutive life sentences. Mm -hmm. She's like, I am crazy, period. So she throws a pad. Yeah. (laughs) Who does that, dude? I said she's (laughs) saying that she's crazy. Period, and she throws the pad. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Only you would notice that. (laughs) Hey, it's a good one. (laughs) Hey, she she tried everything. She knew that she's been caught. You know, the worst about it is that her innocent children, you know, had to pay the price for. I don't know. One good lady? I, I don't know. I don't know what you yeah. would call that. I Yeah. I, pff, I have no idea. And I saw pictures of Brent and it's like, it's not like he was John Legend or anything. Well, she <laughs> was certainly no supermodel. I, you know, when I saw her picture, I was like, oh, I remember who she is. We oh, worked together yeah. at Perryville. Oh, my gosh. I was like, I couldn't remember her for the life of me, but. Oh, my God. She was constantly, constantly sending health needs requests up to medical. And a health needs request is a form that the inmate fills out and they, you know, put their name in their housing unit where they're at and then like what the problem is. Well, she knew that, you know, by law, medical had to come around once a day and pick mm-hmm. up these health needs requests, they call them H&Rs for short. And so she would write to us about everything. Her mail, I'm not getting my mail. What does that have to do with medical? Medical has nothing to do with inmate mail. Do inmates get charged to send those forms? I to send, to actually send the form, no, it's limitless. It's if they're seen, it's $3. Okay. Unless, you know, and if they're indigent, it just piles up and they wind up never paying. But they they can send in as many of those forms as they want. And so like the more they send, the more it clogs up, the more we have to go through them and triage mm-hmm. them, the longer it takes. And then they get upset and then they send more. And, it's and like, the people that Hello. need the help. Yeah. Fall, you through, fall through the cracks right. because we have Loretta sending up health needs requests about her mail. Mm-hmm. which we have nothing to do to with. Do it. It, it comes in the prison, the officers sort it, they go through it, they read it to make sure there's no contraband, nothing you know, evil, and then it goes right to the inmate. So she was sending them, talking about how the staff at DOC was interrupting her mail, and she knew this because she had not gotten a letter from her son. And I remember thinking when I read this, really? Because he was in a sewer. Yeah. Okay. If you're waiting for that, you're really cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. 
And so I happened, I was in the yard office and I happened to mention it to one of the sergeants and the sergeant, she goes, I wonder. So she goes, come here. So we get on the computer, we get in Ames and she pulls it up. She goes, oh my God, I can't believe it. I was like, what? She actually has a son who was, I don't know, 23, 24, who was down in Tucson. Oh. So I'm sure his life was wonderfully messed up and he's going to be a ward of, you know, the state for many, many years to come. But she actually had an older son. And I remember this, another confession, this is so bad. I remember looking at the sergeant and go, man, we need to send him a t-shirt that says, I survived my mother. (laughs) You know, but that was just, I mean, what a waste of time. It was like, I have to take this H&R and walk it over to security because I have nothing to do with the mail. Then turn right around and we get one that probably wasn't medical, but kind of in a weird way, that the staff was poisoning her. I was going to ask. I, I couldn't remember if it was her or not. That yeah, she it was, was her. We were putting arsenic and rat poison in, in, her, her, in her meals. And she was demanding that we take it and have it tested. And she was requesting that it be checked by someone who was not DOC because she wanted, she felt that if DOC was checking for poison, they were biased. <laughs> And I thought, you're coming up with all this, but yet you want us to believe you're crazy. What movie did she get that from? <laughs> I know. I, what was she watching that day? Yeah. I mean, it was crazy that she was doing that. But at the same time, you want an independent, I mean, you can articulate, you want an independent person to test it because you want to make sure that it's not biased. Yeah. Okay. Again, for the record, medical has nothing to do with inmate food or meals. We may be able to say what type of diet or if they're having a test, if they can't have, they have to skip a meal, but we have nothing to do with the kitchen, food service, what the menu is. There's no point in wasting your time complaining to medical because I have nothing to do with the food. I don't know. I'm going to complain to medical. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm going to complain to medical and hopefully get asked to come in so I can cool off in our cool AC. And get out of the heat. And get out of the heat. Yep. Yeah. But see, she, but because of her crime, she was a higher, the highest custody inmate. So she's down in the lockdown unit, which means locked in for 23 hours, out for one, showers twice a week, wreck three times a week. So she wasn't just coming up to medical. See, you didn't sell prison to me. Sorry. You didn't sell it to me. That whole, like, only two showers a week, I oh, can't do that. no, no, no. It's, oh, my God, especially even Perryvale. I mean, no prison's clean. I've been oh in enough gosh. of them. But Perryvale sits in the middle of uh, Duncan Farm Fields. And so it's just dust. dust. Yep. I was going to say dust. And it's like just And they were still heat. farming it. Yeah. And they were still farming it. So every once in a while, there'd be tractors out there disking the field. And here, you know, then every time they did that, here comes the wind. And it's just this dust is just blowing. Or when the um, CEO would go around the yard and the, he'd pick up the dust with the truck. Oh, yeah. Complex when they would drive around. Yeah. Yeah. Perimeter. The perimeter guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Allergies were bad when I worked at the at Perryville. Oh, yeah. It was so bad. Just, ugh, no. Stay out. Stay out. So, yeah. But so Loretta gets convicted. And so we're still not happy with that because, of course, we didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So she decides to file for the Arizona Court of Appeals, hoping for an overturn in her conviction. And of course, Loretta being Loretta, she filed pro se, which means she's representing herself. Yeah, we don't need an attorney to write this for you. You go for it, Loretta. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and she was citing four issues in her trial. And the first one was denial of the right to testify. 
So she says her statement on 9-30-94 was involuntary and it was um, inflammatory. There was, a, there was an inflammatory so news article and then we'll get to the, to the jury, the jury member. But yeah, the denial of the right to testify. Okay, I'm not an attorney. I put that disclosure out. <laughs> I, am, I am not, this is not legal advice. This is nothing but, who would put her on the stand? Not after throwing a pad at a judge. Nobody's going to want that. I'm who sh- who would put her to testify? Sh- and I'm sure that they talk to her about it. But when it comes down to that, that's up to the attorney. That's an attorney-client decision. decision. That has nothing to do with anybody else. The prosecution, any of the witnesses, the jury, the judge, that is strictly. So that's between her and her attorney. That she doesn't have. Yeah. And then somebody had printed a news article. She thought that that was inflammatory. Uh, well, when you're arrested and you have a public trial, there's news cover. Well, not so much then. It was pretty much just newspaper. But yeah, the people are going to write stories about it. Yeah, especially the type of crime that she committed was so horrible and wicked. Like anything that has something to do with children, it's going to be on the news because it's yeah so and- a shocker. It's a shocker thrill, right? The news is all about having that shocked. Oh, effect. she is so lucky that she was she was not what it is today. Oh yeah, she would be. She would have. There, there would have been her, her people living in that apartment complex out there filming the body in the sewer and filming her and all this other stuff. Oh yeah. She has no idea. She would have got beat up and when she, when she got to county and then beat up again oh, at no doubt, no Perryville. doubt. Yeah. So she thought there was a fundamental error in a jury question. So the court went ahead and they uh, looked at her case and her pleadings and they were like, yeah. Thanks for playing. So the court affirmed her conviction on 124 of 20. So she went back to Perryville and was like, six, seven. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but that did not dissuade our Loretta. Oh, no. Because what's next? We petitioned the Supreme Court. Again, complaining she was denied her right to testify. And she did not make a knowing and intelligent waiver on her statement, which actually, I think she told four different stories mm-hmm. when she was first, first arrested about yes. what happened. And of course, she blamed everything on Brett. And even at one point... Suggested that he did something to Odessa. Yeah. And it's like this girl, this little girl was beaten like everywhere. And then she tried to say, oh, but the one spot she was bleeding was from her vagina. I think that's the only spot the poor child was not bleeding. Yeah. She did all the abuse. Brent never did. Right. So, but the Supreme Court upheld her conviction. So, yeah, too bad for that. And she's still at Perryville? Uh, No, I do believe that. I was surprised. I was surprised that none of my cohorts even let me know this. I was going to say, I thought she... But yeah, she passed away. She escaped that one. Yeah, she uh, died on 223 of 2018 of natural causes. Yeah, that's all that was said, right? It was just natural causes. Yeah, no just natural causes. They just, nowhere did I find anything that said poison, just said that it was natural causes. <laughs> poison. <laughs> yes, I mean, oh, Loretta was. I mean, it could have been natural poison. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, maybe the gr- <laughs> I was thinking, oh my God, they're growing hemlock. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Like trying to picture that they're out planting hemlock. <laughs> you know what? If there were any rats around there, they probably poisoned her just to shut her up. Yeah. Oh, she was just loud and crazy. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, so. it was just like I said, it was, a, it was a crime that, you know, I don't know how a mother could commit. It was so horrible, wicked. I mean, it was innocent siblings that paid the price. Yeah, a four and a five-year-old. I mean, come on. How do they even fight back against that? Yeah. Well, I really uh, enjoyed getting into this case. And like I said, it's kind of reminded me about the system that's supposed to, you know, that's there for a purpose to protect innocent children, you know, kind of failed. Here yeah, again. not our happiest story, but um, one that I thought uh, should be told because, I mean, it did happen here. That was kind of a different wild case. So it's right. one of the ones that, you know, everybody knows Jody Arias, but this is, you know, the ones that we're, we talk about are lesser known. Right. Lesser known, sometimes maybe a little older, but. But inmates that we actually came across because we had to deal with them for healthcare mm -hmm. issues. Right. Well, thanks again, Ms. Awesome host, Miss Cat. I love spending this time with you and talking about cases. And, you know, <laughs> oh, I'll have to thank end. You. I have to end with uh, 9 10, never sleep again. <laughs> You're going to sing that all the way home. I know it. <laughs> yes, I will. Yes, no, I will. Okay. I was waiting. I was like, I'm going to, I have the perfect clothes. Boom. Oh, my God. I, Freddie is in her head. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. I love doing the show with you. So hopefully you guys found this uh, to be um, a little bit interesting case and the one that was a little bit different. So thanks again for everybody tuning in. So yes. And can't wait to get next week's. We appreciate uh, the love and we uh, will miss you guys until next time. Yeah. So until then, thank you again for all your support and we'll say goodbye for now. Talk to you later, guys. Time for Crime is a podcast about true crime, prison life, and the opinions from the people who've worked on the inside. Please follow us and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcatching software. Help us get our voice out there. You can get more information about the podcast and this case at www.timeforcrime.net. Look for us on Twitter at Time for Crime one or on Facebook at Time for Crime Vanny Cat. Feel free to leave us a comment on our voicemail at 623-292-5871. We might even put your call on the podcast. Like it, love it, and share it, but please credit the hosts Vanessa Nunez and Kathy Delaney for their commitment to the podcast and service to the community. We'd like to send a special thanks to Nickel Nynth for the music in this podcast. We'd also like to thank Dave Kaiser and Peter Nynth for their support of the podcast and website. And most importantly, we'd like to thank you, the listener. Without you, we couldn't bring you this podcast. Take care, everyone.